Welcome to a little jolt of joy. For those of you that are newer listeners, I haven't done one of these in a little bit, and they are just random thoughts that don't necessarily fit into my normal content, but there's something that's nagging at me and I feel like sharing. So today's is called More is Caught Than Taught. And it's interesting because this is absolutely not a parenting podcast, but a lot of my audience are moms that ADHD or believe they have ADHD or at the very least just feel sort of scattered and lost in their house and their ability to be a decent house manager. There are real concerns from comments that are made that you're afraid you're not setting your kids up for success or your scatteredness is going to impact them somehow negatively. I'm well, not a parenting expert. I'm a mom of four, former teacher, been around a lot of kids. Mine are old enough. I'm seeing how living with me has shaped them as they're becoming young adults and adults. I can say, again, small case study, but your kids are your kids to shepherd the best that you have the ability to do. But they're their own creations and you you really don't I don't want to say you don't affect them. You shape them. You can help guide them. But they are who they are. They're going to either be really messy because of you or really messy in spite of you or really messy because that's who they are. They're going to be really neat in spite of you or they're going to be really neat because of you. But they're most likely just going to be really neat because it's just how they're wired to be. I've been in this industry long enough that if you read... If you just Google organizers and read their bios, nine out of every 10 are going to say, I'm just naturally organized. I was naturally born this way. My natural inclination to organizing things led me into this industry. There are people that are just wired a certain way and being around you doesn't change that wiring. You can think, you know, if you're worried about your kids going down the chain, look up the chain. Were both of your parents completely chaotic? Maybe, maybe a lot of ADHD seems to be genetic. Therefore, even though it wasn't really a diagnosis back in the day, you might go, hmm, they probably were. We just didn't know it back then. So I guess my statement is quit worrying about the things you can't impact and start to think about shaping the things you can. And in this quote that I, you know, ran across that more is caught than taught. It's funny because I consider myself to be a northerner living in the South. (laughs) And take that as loosely as you want to. But in the South, there is sort of this general, and again, I'm generalizing, there's a lot around manners. There's a lot around yes ma'ams and no sirs and it's a well-mannered location for people who were born and raised here. It is something that is drilled in almost as rote as please and thank you, which is lovely. I mean, the number of times I've been yes ma'am and no ma'am everywhere around here from the minute we moved south, it made me feel a little guilty as a parent <laughs> because I didn't teach my kids to do the yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. It doesn't mean I didn't 
ask them to be polite. And almost it's funny because we're a story that comes to mind. My son was having his senior pictures taken. They were in the morning so that the light could be just right. And he's not a morning person. And so the sort of growly head knocking way that he got out the door late and he went by himself. And so I reached out as a photographer after the fact. And I was like, I'm so sorry if you got a, a bear this morning. <laughs> I did my best. And she's like, oh my goodness, he's so polite and so lovely and so wonderful. And of course, they're always better for other people than they are for you. Honestly, he's great. But it just cracks me up that I didn't teach him. He, I guarantee you he did not yes ma'am or no ma'am her unless he just picked it up from his peers. But politeness is something, I guess, that was caught. It's, it's been seen modeled by his parents with or without the words yes ma'am, no sir. I don't know if I'm making sense in that way. I also think, interestingly enough, if you're going to have your kids be catching something rather than teaching it to them, less worry about how your house presents itself and more worry about that sort of feeling in your house. Are you generally upbeat about your trying? Are you not discouraged? Do you keep after things even though they don't work? Are you teaching them to keep trying, to stay positive, that mistakes don't break you, that you learn as much from a failure as you did from a success, if not more? Those types of things that they will catch are probably more meaningful than anything that you're panicked about. Will your house impact them? Sure. They get to write whether it was a positive impact or a negative impact. You know, (laughs) in our very therapy-heavy world, which again, I'm not against therapy in any way, shape, or form, but I do think sort of the comedian-style joke is, you know, just to blame it all on the parents. But you can be appreciative of things regardless of how your home was. So teaching them that sort of how to be more than remembering, oh, we always had to keep things clean and we always had to keep things so and we weren't allowed to get things out and we couldn't get the the fancy room messy. And we those aren't necessarily the memories you're going to want either. You're also not going to want, I never got to have friends over because I was embarrassed in my house. I think that's the one that probably stabs us most in the gut and that we worry most about. Like, I didn't have a lot of friends because I never could invite anybody over because I didn't like the way my house looked. Those are the ones that hurt the most, I think, as a parent. Those are the things that you listening and you trying are, are going to work towards overcoming. Those are the, you know, if you're going to target on one area to, to change, it's getting those common spaces together so that your kid can be like, yeah, I can be proud of my room. I can be proud of the general space that they walk through. They don't have to see the messy places. You can have all kinds of Monica's closets. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's a Friends reference, uh, the TV show Friends. But if you have those rooms, keep the door shut. The kid's not going to invite them in to see it if that's something they're trying to keep from their friends anyway. I don't know. I don't know if that's helpful, but I, I just... I'd read that more as caught than taught it. And it's not, you're not going to have them catch how to keep their room clean. You will have them catch how to feel about things. And I guess that's maybe why I call this a joy loving home. Like be joyful in it, be joyful through it. Show them that love is more important than, than stuff. And it'll be okay. 
The other, just anecdotally as I'm heading (laughs) to a closure on this, one of the best parenting tips I was ever given, and if I can pass this on, I'd share it with as many people as I could. Right before my kid turned two, I was at a playground and I was talking to some random parent and they literally said, the best thing I ever learned was not to ask my kid questions if I knew what I wanted the answer to be. A statement is much better. The way I saw this in action was they got up off the bench and said, it's time to leave. Slide down one more time. Not, are you ready to leave? Not, do you want to do more? Not, it's time to go, okay? With a question mark at the end. They just said, it's time to leave. Go down the slide one more time. And there was a period at the end of that sentence. And their kids slid down the slide. She was waiting at the bottom, grabbed their hand, and they walked off to the car. Kid didn't fight, didn't kick, didn't scream. I'm guessing because it had been modeled so many times. It wasn't left open-ended. It was just a statement. Statement parenting can be great. (laughs) I started modeling that very, very early, and it worked a lot. It doesn't work always. It works a lot. And when I wanted to give them chances at exercising the answer to questions, it was, would you like to wear this red shirt or this blue one? Not, what shirt would you like to wear? They built that sort of decision-making muscle in the confines of what I was okay with the answers being. I don't know, that was just sort of a magical tip that I got just in the nick of time before the twos turned into full-on twos. (laughs) Anyway, I'll leave you with that thought. I do want to share two things. One, yesterday was the 23rd, and I neglected to pop on yet again and remind you that if you're doing the 23 for 23 with me, and you haven't done any this month, and you want to peek at what that is and grab one to do, go for it. You still have seven days, eight days left in this month before it's over. Two, if you're like, Joy, I like the sentiment of this little jolt of joy, but I really do want to get my house together in the main spaces. Listening is great, but you don't see yourself moving into action. I can do all the things I can through this podcast to encourage you and to give you tips and have you try things, but I can't really, really help without some form of accountability. So if that is something you're interested in getting, I would love to have you join our Joy Living Home membership community. It is full of accountability and challenges and incentives and encouragement. It is kicking off April 1st and it is only $10 a month. So if that sounds like something you would love to jump in on as we start and be right here at the beginning, and I think the smaller it is, the more accountability we're going to get. So if you want to jump in while we're a small group, I think it's a great idea to say, This is the thing that might give me just enough accountability at a really affordable price to plow forward. Let's do it. Go to joylovinghome.com slash community. Until next time, continue to choose joy.